the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. you ever been near someone or around someone or even uh, known someone that everywhere they go, there seems to be a fight? There seems to be some kind of discord. They're never happy. They're never happy with the people around them. It's almost like they enter into the room or the workplace and everything just kind of goes that direction. They have about them almost an atmosphere of discord an atmosphere of strife. Well, that is the fleshly version of the atmosphere that exists around Christ. Because he is the Prince of Peace. Where he is, there is peace. And receiving peace is really kind of a misnomer. Because we have his life and we are in him. We have his peace. But whether or not we recognize that peace... Whether or not we embrace that peace by faith, that's what we choose. Because if we say, I have no peace because of my circumstances, then what we are declaring is, I have no God. That's not right, is it? If we say we have no peace because of the pain or suffering of, that's going on around, then we say there is no God. The truth is that peace is the presence of Christ. Jesus one day will reign in the earth. And when he reigns in the earth, the lion will lay down with the lamb and there will be an element of peace that has never before been seen since the garden. Why? Because he is the prince of peace and he, by his very reign and presence, brings peace. Now, he reigns and he is in you. Therefore, you choose whether to accept the truth of his peace or accept the lies of the threats around you. And that's what they are. Everything that threatens you in truth never really threatens your life. It only threatens your circumstance. And your circumstances can only be affected as God allows. Isn't that true? So who's in charge of your circumstances? God is. What are we fearful of? Typically, we're fearful of a loss of control. And any time we're groping for control, we have lost our peace. The experience of peace. 
We're still in the 12th chapter of Romans, and every time I come to the 12th chapter of Romans, I begin by reading verses 1 and 2, because verses 1 and 2 are the context for everything Paul is trying to teach his young church. And remember, I've said this before to you, and, and I think most of you know this, that before Paul will ever tell you what to do, he will tell you who you are. And of course, we recognize that Paul, Paul is not the one really speaking here, it's the Spirit of God. So it is God's intention, first and foremost, that you know who you are, that you understand what Christ has given you in this new life. That all the resources for what he is asking of you are already in you. They're a part of you. They are natural to who you are as a new creation. They're not something that God will visit upon you if you're good. They're not something that you'll attain if you are disciplined. They are the truth of who you are. So as we read through last week, the spiritual giftedness of the new creation, which is really what we were reading about. There were spiritual gifts, but what does that mean? That means they have their origin in God himself. Their origin is in Christ. So when God says, I have given you spiritual gifts, he is saying, point of fact, you have my life in you, therefore you are gifted. You are gifted. Now, that's going to express itself in different ways. As I illustrated last week, every one of my beautiful daughters can sing, but none of them sing the same. So every one of us are gifted in the Spirit of God, but our expression is different and unique and glorious because that's the way God created us. Let's look at chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 again. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make all decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. And I want to bring out, I bring out a different point, seemingly, at each service of this verse. But notice when he says that you are to present all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy and devoted, he says, and well-pleasing to God. Who made it well-pleasing? You think it was your effort? Jesus, the expression of his life, makes even the most wicked thing or evil thing, even the most difficult thing, the hard thing, no matter what it is, he will make it well-pleasing to God. He will turn it for good. Well, does that sound like Romans eight twenty-eight? Well, that's exactly what it is. And do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. But be transformed. That actually comes from the same word we get metamorphosis from. Transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. By its new ideals and its new attitudes. So that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Now listen. 
that the Old Testament day of sacrifice was finished with the perfect sacrifice of Christ. That ended all sacrifices. Now the only acceptable worship for the child of God must come through the offering of themselves completely to God. The unredeemed body must be yielded. You know this body is unredeemed? It is. That's why it's going to the grave or it's going to disappear. Okay? The unredeemed body must be yielded to be an instrument of righteousness through which the Spirit may express our spiritual life. Now, by this yielding, in this yielding, we are refusing... We're taking a stand against being conformed to this world. And we're allowing the Spirit to direct our thoughts with its, with its new thoughts and its new attitudes, which have become ours. What is that? That is the mind of Christ, which we have. By living this way, we will find ourselves expressing what Paul had listed before in the verses we studied last week, a spiritual giftedness. Because, he says, if he is in us, we will, not we may, but we will bear fruit. That's what a spiritual gift is. It is the bearing of fruit. It is the expression of the life of the vine through the branch. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about how we operate as a branch, how we function as a branch. Now, Paul listed these gifts with a very clear command to practice them. And as we saw last week, these gifts gifts are for the building and affirming of the church body. They're not accessories that we choose to put on or take off. They are part of the spiritual dynamic that allows the church, that is the body, to function normally. They are necessary for the individual as acts of obedience that affirm the truth in you. And that's the part that I put the most emphasis on last week. That as we express these gifts, in other words, as we yield to that life, we give an outer expression that is affirming. Now, it is not only affirming to you as an individual, but it is to be affirming to us as believers. Now, do we need that? Yes, we do. Absolutely we do. Why do you say that? Because God has commanded it. It's part of it. If you're not being affirmed in truth, number one, you're either not living according to the Spirit, or number two, and I mean living according to it, allowing Him to be expressed. Number two, you're not anywhere where it will be affirmed around you. And this is what goes on out there in the world. We see a lot of Christians they are always complaining about the fact that they just don't feel like they're close to God anymore. And the reason is, is because, number one, they refuse to allow themselves to be affirmed through obedience. They refuse to allow themselves to be affirmed by the body of Christ, by gathering. Yes, there is a reason we come together. Yes, it is important. Yes, God did command it. That is part of that affirming. It's not just an exercise to make sure that you can get someplace. Okay? God has a purpose in it for the ministry of the body. So, 
They're necessary to us as, a, as individuals to affirm us in truth. And just as, as there are certain things we must do to maintain the health and vitality of the physical body, we must yield to the expression of the Spirit of God or we jeopardize our spiritual health and vitality, both as a church and individually. Now, remember Paul, again, is guiding these Roman believers as to how to function as a Christian. In yielding to these truths, the, Christian, the Christians will be gloriously affirmed in who they are. They will no longer have to chase after these things of this world to become something that they and others can accept. And that's what I see a lot of people doing. They receive Christ and they're out to establish themselves an identity out here in the world. Now, what's that about? Why is it that the Christian community feels compelled to look like the world? We have one identity, and it's not in this flesh. It's not in this flesh. I don't make a big deal out of the way people dress or what they do, because you know what? You put the focus on that, and then you take the focus off Jesus. But I am saying that the focus, the exhibition of your life, doesn't need to be in line with the fashions of this world. It needs to be in line with Him. It needs to be in line with the expression of Christ. So as we go through these, I don't want you to take these passages lightly or passively. Their purpose in in Paul listing them and the order that they're in is to grow us as Christians. Again, It's to grow us in who we are. It is to secure us in the life that he's given us. It is to affirm us in truth. What he is calling you to is not something that you can take or leave. It is not for the spiritually superior or relegated to the spiritually inferior. It is specifically for every child of God. And Paul's very clear about it. Romans 12, 9, let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, loathe ungodliness, turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. Now, Paul begins in verse 9 with that little word, let. What does that mean to you? You have a choice. You have a choice to make. You can choose not to. But Paul is not making a suggestion here. This is a command. Now, that word love that you see there is agape love. It is a supernatural love that cannot be found or expressed apart from God. So the beginning of this verse is very powerful. Paul is saying, let your agape love be sincere. Well, it cannot be agape love if it is not sincere. So in other words, let your love be the right kind, not an insincere kind. Well, what kind of love would be insincere? It would be anything that masquerades as love that has its origin in the flesh, period. There's only one love that has its origin in God, agape. The other loves that you see expressed around you are a poor imitation Agape love has no dependence on externals such as physical attraction or certain behaviors. It has no dependence on emotions or feelings. It is not something we fall into or out of. 
It has its source in God and it is decisive and unconditional. Only the child of God can express agape love because it is a natural part of the new creation. It is contrary to the flesh and can only be mimicked by the flesh. Only the child of God can express agape love. Now, can you see why God says, do not be unequally yoked? If we take this into the context of marriage, there is only one true love to join a man and a woman to. It is agape love. It is God's love. That is the only love that joins and makes the two one. Affinities don't make the two one. Affections don't make the two one. Compatibility doesn't make the two one. There is a glue, a binding, a union that takes place in in the Father, in the Trinity. It's called agape love. You can't have that with anything other than a Christian. Period. So those who say, well, I can marry a non-Christian... And we can have love together. I love him. He loves me. Wrong. You can have affection. You can have varieties of fleshly love. But you will not be in union with the true love. But the truth is that the love that we are to express on every level. We're not talking just talking about marriage and an intimate love. We're talking about every level where we are commanded to express love. It's a love that has its source in Christ. What other kind of love would you want expressed to you? Well, certainly I don't want any other kind of love because it's not sincere. It's not unconditional. He says, let your love be agape sincere. Uh, John thirteen thirty five, Jesus speaks and he says this. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love, same word, one another. If you keep on showing love among yourselves. What kind of love is he talking about? Agape love. Paul is echoing Jesus in verse 9. He's echoing Jesus. We are commanded to express love that is uniquely Christian. That will clearly distinguish itself from what the world calls love. So much so that the world will know who you are. That's what that verse is telling you. The world will know who you are by the love that you express. There's only one love that will make that distinction. Agape love. Now Jesus is speaking of love among one another. He's not talking about a love between a man and a woman, a romantic love. He's speaking of a love between one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. What we see out there in the Christian community could hardly be distinguished from what passes as love in the world. You notice that? They look very much the same, don't they? And that's shameful. It is sentimental and fickle, and it is largely driven by emotions. The divorce rate among the saved rivals the unsaved. This is not agape love. Now here's, a, here's an interesting thing about agape love. Agape love requires faith. And faith requires trust. 
if we cannot fully trust God with our love, we will never trust man. That's why you can't be unequally yoked. That's why it'll never work. So, faith is an essential element to the experience and the truth of agape love. Sometimes it takes faith to love one another. It does. Because your emotions aren't there. If emotions are the judge and jury of true love, that's over with. When people say, I fell out of love, what they're saying is, I lost the feeling. Right? I no longer feel it. Love is a matter of faith where we say, it's not how I feel, it is a fact. You are my beloved. Now, this is the love that Christ bears you, isn't it? That covenant love is not marriage a covenant. That covenant love that says, I love you, it doesn't matter how you act or what you do. I love you. You are my beloved. Love requires faith and it requires trust. Why? Because if I hinge my ability to love on whether or not my spouse is going to come around or ever see the light or, or ever be apologetic or ever do this or ever do that, you, you fill in the blank, then my trust is not in God, it's in her changing. Faith puts its trust in God alone and says it does not matter. It doesn't matter. She is my beloved, and I believe you, Father, to meet every need in me that she would normally meet. I believe you, Father, to be sufficient. Because you know what? It's really not her that meets it. It's God in her that meets it, right? Isn't that the Christian marriage? The Christ in her meets the need in me, and the Christ in me meets the need in her. Isn't that what that oneness is about? So trust says, I believe that the Christ, the universal God of love, will meet every need in each one of us. It's trust. It's faith. Agape requires faith. Agape requires faith in in the love that we are to share with one another. Why? Because I know it's hard to believe, but some people are not lovable all the time. And it takes you being able to say, you know what, Heavenly Father, it's not... It's not about what I feel towards them. It's not even about the way they act. I agape them because of your life in me. I choose to agape them. You know that many churches have a lot of internal issues because they don't define the truth of their love. They make their love conditional, just like they do in marriages. And their love is conditional. I will love you if you behave towards me in a certain way. But if you ever behave towards me in a different way, then I cannot love you. You are the reason I cannot love you. It's your fault. See, God totally disallows that. You are not God. And God says, you shall love. In fact, not only you guys and my wife, but an enemy. Why? Because agape love is not selective. For God so loved the really good people. That he gave his only begotten son. Did that work? No. The agape love includes all people. That's right. So here's what happens. That agape love is the expression of Christ or God himself, the character of God that is expressed in his presence, in his life, in his life in you. So 
That agape love is right here at this place because we are here at this place. That agape love is in, in Africa somewhere because in Africa somewhere, there's somebody walking around with the life and character of God within them. But I want to tell you something. There will come a time when the agape love, the presence of the agape love, will be lifted and hate and, and fear will rule. Perfect love casts out what? Fear. Why? Because fear is a product of our insecurity that says, I must be in control. I'm going to lose. I'm going to fall apart if I'm not in control. All right. Verse 9 continues. It says, hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness. But hold fast to that which is good. Now, you would think that would go without saying, wouldn't you? But this goes back to verse 2 where we are commanded to renew our minds with our new thoughts and new attitudes. Why is that? So that you may be able to prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good, notice that word good there, comes up again, good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. Now, if you're not yielded to the Spirit of God, if you're not renewing your minds, then there is a conforming that is taking place. Not might take place, but is taking place. An aggressive agenda that will cause you, now understand me, it will cause you to hate what is good and embrace what is evil. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.